Get ready to step into scripture with Tina. Hey everyone, welcome to Step Into Scripture. My name is Tina Wilson. I'm a pastor's wife and a mom of seven. Alongside my husband, Matt, I've committed my life to serving King Jesus as a church planter, a Bible teacher, an author, and an advocate for all-in family ministry. I'm passionate about making Christ and His church famous, and the purpose of this podcast is to do that by helping people develop a commitment to reading the entire Word of God. That's a banner that my friend Stacy and I wave. We encourage mm-hmm. people to make that commitment. And in this season, season two, we are doing that by answering Bible questions that are submitted by listeners. Listeners and viewers, it's great to talk about reading the whole Bible. But once we start doing that, then we start having some questions. (laughs) And when we can't find answers, often that's just the part that we need to knock us off track. Right. Because that can happen so easily. Mm -hmm. And we stop reading because we don't have the answers. So we love hearing Bible questions. We don't have the answers necessarily for everything, but we're always willing to dig and look for it and share what we find. So This week's question comes from a woman who is reading and wrestling through the book of Romans, and I'm going to read her whole question because it's long and I want you to hear her heart in it. She says, I've been studying Romans very deeply and I got stuck on the hardening of hearts for God's use to glorify himself in chapter 9. I know that it's man's responsibility to accept Christ as his Lord and Savior and then to live by the Spirit, walking in sanctification, but it gets muddy for me with the hardening of hearts. Does that mean we should dust off our feet with people like Pharaoh or keep trying to win them? I know that God does know evil, but verse 18 mm-hmm. confuses me. Paul specifically states that whom God wills, he hardens, right? Yet I've always thought it was our choice in rejecting Christ Jesus that causes our hearts to become hardened. Hashtag overthinker, hashtag confused. So we are going to address everything that this listener has asked about, but we're going to shorten up this question and just say it like this. Yeah. What hardens a heart? Right. That's the question we're going to be answering in today's episode. And to start out, I want to point out that this listener did something great here when she says, I know that God does no evil. I love that she recognized God's character. That's Mm -hmm. a character of God's statement. And if you've been listening to this podcast for any length of time, you know that as we call people to commit themselves to reading the whole Bible, one of the ways that we develop biblical literacy that we rightly divide the word of God is that we look for the character of Mm -hmm. God in the reading Mm -hmm. rather than looking for it to be about us. We recognize that it's about God and that it gives us a view of his own character. So first of all, to our friend who asked this question, you're exactly right. Yeah. God does no evil because he's good and he's holy and he's just and he's righteous and he's loving and he's gracious and he's kind. That is his character. Right. And yet... There's this verse yeah. in Romans chapter 9 that brings us some confusion. So we're going to start by just reading this verse where mm-hmm. our friend got stuck. And then, Stacy, if you'll introduce yourself and let's start breaking it down and go to God's Word for the answers yep. to this big question. Let's hit it. So Romans nine eighteen says, Therefore, God has mercy on whom He wants to have mercy, and He hardens whom He wants to harden. 
Man, that's hard to introduce myself after. It is. That's a hard verse, but we are really going to let Scripture answer this question from our listener. But to get us started, my name is Stacy Vines. Uh, Tina and I have been waving the banner to read the Bible from start to finish together for a very long time. It is a highlight in my life alongside my husband, Rick. We are small business owners and nonprofit founders here in our community. We are a plant family here at Ecclesia at our home church here alongside Matt and Tina. And um, my life has just been littered with the good things that I have found about God, His character, and His nature from reading His Word from start to finish. And so being a part of this uh, feels like I am right at home. So to uh, just kind of recall one more time what we're doing, Romans chapter 9, verse 18, where God says that He has mercy on whom He wants to have mercy, and He hardens whom He wants to harden. And we're going to get there. We're going to get to Romans 9, we're going to sit on it, and we want to just uh, get started first by laying the foundation, because like we do every single week in this podcast, another banner that we fly is that we have to let Scripture interpret Scripture, yeah. we have to have context, and one of the reasons we have to read the whole thing from start to finish is because the Bible is one answer, the whole Bible. It all is the complete answer, and we never want to answer something uh, with only one side of the coin. So let's uh, build that foundation, and then we'll get back to Romans chapter 9, verse 18. So we're going to begin with, right, looking at this question, what hardens a heart? To get us started, we're going to look back at something we flash back to all of the time, and that's the children of Israel wandering in the wilderness. And what we're going to see is they have all the pieces in play, and they're still failing. They yeah. still fall short. So let's just take a look. So to get to get them going, the book of Exodus and Leviticus, um, we've, we've come through there. And now God miraculously redeems Israel from their slavery. He has given them very clear laws in the book of Leviticus. Now they have a tabernacle set up. They have all of their furnishings. Their utensils have been consecrated. The priests are ready to receive their offerings from the people. Moses is installed as the mediator, the one who speaks to the Israelites on behalf of God, then speaks to God on behalf of Israel. And God meets them. He meets with Moses and the priest over the the. Ark of the Covenant, they're on the mercy seat. God's presence is actually with them in the wilderness. And that's how we see him speak to Moses. And yet the community that God has built, given them all of the things that they need. uh, We've we've taught this before. We called it the encampment. Um, He set the boundaries so that his fellowship with them could still be obtained. And that's what he wanted. That's what he wants for all of us. They had everything they needed but they still blatantly disregarded God. They had miracles that they witnessed. They saw uh, sacrifices being made. They saw commands and received them uh, being clarified and understood. And then again, they have their mediator, but they still could not fall in line and obey God. So how is that possible? Yeah. Uh, That is a mystery of the Old Testament, this cycle of Israel being redeemed by God and then falling away from God. We are going to jump to Psalm chapter 95 um, to tell us uh, a little more about that. Here, the psalmist is recounting that rebellion. It says, do not harden your hearts. So we can think about this in our own lives. What happens then 
if we have all of the pieces together, right? We have a faithful family. Yeah a solid church. We have uh, knowledge of the Bible. We have all of these resources like step into scripture. We have everything we need, but somehow our hearts are hardened towards God. And if we are allowed to be hardened towards God, what then does it take for us to be obedient again? But Tina, if we if we could just a second, let's kind of talk through what does it look like? How do I how does someone know that they're hard? towards God. Yeah. Because I think Israel probably assumed we're we're good. They're yeah. following all of the steps. They made the sacrifices. They did all of the the festivals and all of these things that they were prescribed to do, they were doing, but their attitude towards God, their heart was hardened. Yeah. And I think that we can do that and assume that we're good to go. I think when we uh, come to, ch- to service and maybe we are super distracted or we're mm-hmm. unwilling to serve or yeah. in our family, we are not willing to humble ourselves to pray together or to encourage one another. I think that's evidence of being hardened yeah. towards God. So for anyone listening today or watching along, we would just encourage you to maybe pause a second, reflect on your life. And pray to God to expose in you any areas of your life or in your heart that might be hardened towards God. Because, uh, you know, like Tina said, as we were preparing for this today, we're going to go into some deep waters with the Word of God. Uh, Praise God. Yeah. And uh, our goal is that for everyone, it would bring about a change in your life. And just like the children of Israel, uh, another good point Tina made as we were preparing for this, they never stopped claiming to be the people of God. Yeah. But they were hardened towards God. And we have to recognize that that's a possibility for us too, even in minor areas. But if our goal is all the more fellowship with God, if we're meeting Him and what He wants, then we have to make sure there's nothing great or small, standing in the way. And I believe that our study today will help us with that if we allow it. So we just encourage you to maybe think about that before we uh, jump too far in. So let's keep going. Before the narrative of Numbers, the book of Exodus ended with a revival of obedience as the people carried out all of God's commands concerning the tabernacle and the priesthood. They were rocking and rolling in what God had laid out for them, that encampment that we talked about. But unfortunately, it would take the death of 3,000 people as a punishment for idolatry to spark this revival. So just to kind of flash us back, Moses comes down from the mountain, his brother Aaron is there, and all the people are worshiping a golden calf. Um, And in response, uh, they go through the Levites and they they kill off 3,000 Israelites that day in response to their idolatry. So the unfortunate reality is that humans tend toward disobedience, a fact that is dramatically portrayed in the life of Israel throughout the stories of the Old Testament. And that's why they're important for us. That's why they were written down, as we learn in the New Testament. We would do well not to wait until tragedy or destruction comes in order to soften our hearts. Israel's wilderness journey, it was written down, obviously, for an Israelite audience. But again, it contains lessons and warnings for all of us. 
So remember Psalm 95, verse 8, those five words that we looked at just a second ago as the psalmist had reflected on the uh, rebellion and the idolatry of Israel. We see that picked back up in the New Testament and quoted by the Hebrew writer where he says, So, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear his voice, here it is, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the wilderness where your ancestors tested and tried me, though for 40 years they saw what I did. Remember, they had everything that they needed uh, to believe and be obedient. He says, "That that is why I was angry with that generation. And I said, their hearts are always going astray and they have not known my ways. So I declared an oath in my anger. Here was his oath. They shall never enter my rest. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. And that was from Hebrews chapter 3, verses 7 to 13. So each time that we read uh, about God speaking, or and each time that we see the ancient Israelites fail to listen and obey to God, we need to let it be a warning to us as yeah. well. The Hebrew writer recalls it as a warning to us. Just to reflect on that one more one more time, see to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. And maybe today you're hearing that very concept of turning away from the living God for the first time. But as a result of our sin or the deceitfulness of our sin, we can be hardened yeah. and turn away from the living God because the thing that leads to the hardening of our hearts is rebellion. Yeah. And you're going to talk to us a little more, Tina, about the choices that we make that lead to our rebellion. Right. This whole thing that we're looking at with Israel in the wilderness, like you said, they had everything they yeah. needed for obedience and for holiness and for righteousness. And yet, while proclaiming themselves to be the people of God, mm-hmm. they willfully turned away from it again mm-hmm. and again. No one made them do that. Right. That was their choice. And that's the thing about rebellion that leads to hardening is that it's a choice that we all have the free will to make. Right. So we see more truth about this expressed later in the book of Numbers. I want to walk with you through an account of Balaam. He was a non-Jewish seer or a prophet, often someone who foretold future events. Mm -hmm. And he was hired by the Moabite prince Balak to curse Israel. Right. So they've been going through the wilderness on this journey. You know, none of this this former generation is able to enter God's rest, Mm -hmm. like you just read from Hebrews, right? right? And and now as they're nearing the promised land, Balaam is hired by by a Moabite who sees Israel as a threat and he right. wants Balaam to pronounce a curse on him. And it's ironic here that while these hard-hearted Israelites mm-hmm. are down in a valley and they're cursing God and they're cursing Moses, because of their own rebellion, right? They are walking out the consequences of their own sin, but they're blaming others. And while they're down there cursing, Balaam, completely outside of their awareness, mm-hmm. is up on a mountain and he's looking down at them and he's unable to curse them. Yeah. 
because God won't let him, right? even as they're cursing God. So here's another thing that we find true of God, another character of God's statement. He always keeps his promises. Yes. And if we go back to Genesis chapter 12, when we're first introduced to the family of Abraham, mm-hmm. here's what God says, Genesis 12, 3, I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So God here, of course, is making a reference to the Messiah yeah. who was going to bless the whole world through the lineage of Abraham, but but still he's blocking these curses from mm-hmm. coming on Israel because he is called Israel blessed and he is going to do a thing through them that's going to bless the entire world. Right. So although God was not going to let Balaam curse Israel. And he clearly told Balaam not to go to Balak. Mm-hmm. Balaam kept coming back to God in this account to mm-hmm. see if God would change his mind. And I'm sure this is because Balak, this Moabite prince, has offered a big payout. Sure. He's going to offer money to Balaam for cursing Israel. And so even though God said, don't do it, because Balaam was intent on doing it mm-hmm. in this numbers account, God let Balaam follow his own will. Yeah. He had the free will to make the decision. Even when an angel blocked Balaam's donkey on the way, and even when Balaam's donkey had to speak to him, Balaam was still intent on going. So yeah. this is all in the Bible. If you've never heard this before, you're going to want to go back and read this in Numbers chapter 23. I mean, this God allows a donkey to speak to him mm-hmm. and say, what are you doing? But still, he is exercising his free will. He is intent on going. And the important lesson that we need to see from Balaam seeking to curse Israel about free will mm-hmm. is that we all have it. Mm-hmm. God God tells us what to do, right? Just like the Israelites that you started us out with, they had the instructions, they had the commands, they had everything they needed to walk in obedience, just like we have today. Right. God's word is right here available and he tells us what to do. But whether we do it or not right. is our decision. Sure. Rebellion is a choice that we can make. So Balaam here found himself unexpectedly standing on these rocky peaks above Israel, above this nation that was cursing even God and Moses, and he's just pronouncing blessings over them. Because even though God gave him the free will to do what he wanted to do, Mm -hmm. to go to Balak and and to accept the commission to speak curses, God is still a God who keeps his promises, Mm -hmm. and he's not turning away from his promises to Israel. Here's what Balaam prophesied Mm -hmm. as he's speaking in, in an attempt to... Uh, rebel. Numbers twenty three nineteen. God is not human that he should lie, not a human being that he should change his mind. Right. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and then not fulfill? Right. And let's just go forward to the New Testament here for a minute. Centuries later, in the epistle of Jude, uh, this was the brother of Jesus, and he would refer to this account when he warned the New Testament church not to sway from the apostles' doctrine, mm-hmm. even when false teaching was rampant and felt right. And man, that sounds familiar, mm-hmm. right? That's the culture we live in. There is rampant false teaching. Often it feels right. But listen to Jude verse 11. Woe to them. They have taken the way of Cain. They have rushed for profit into Balaam's error. They have been destroyed in Korah's rebellion. Mm -hmm. This was a letter written to the church warning people in the church about following the ways of Balaam, which is just the way of rebellion. Right. God gives us instructions. He tells us what to do, but we will be hardened if we 
rebel against that, even if we do it while we're calling ourselves God's people. Mm -hmm. That was a warning to the church. See, being in Christ does not take away our free will to sin. Right. We have forgiveness available. Mm -hmm. We have the guidance of the Holy Spirit available. We have the inspired Word of God available. But the consistent lesson that we see throughout the book of Numbers in the lives of these people who had everything they needed Mm -hmm. to obey God and to stand with Him is that intentional, defiant sin will cut us off from Him. Yeah. They will not enter His rest. Yes. Right? Because of the rebellion. The book of Hebrews teaches that rebellion hardens us. Mm -hmm. But not only that, it bars the way for us to come back to repentance. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, it wears out the sacrifice that sanctified us. Mm -hmm. And that's a hard teaching. That's a big teaching. But we find it repeated in Hebrews 3, in Hebrews 6, in Hebrews 10. You can refer to all those chapters. We have free will. And even as we can be fickle followers of Jesus, God's promises are still true. No Mm -hmm. matter how fickle Israel was, God's promise that he was going to bring about a blessing on the whole earth through them is still true. Hebrews 6.18 says, it is impossible for God to lie. So God will not leave us or forsake us. We have that security, but what we choose to do with that security, that's what's up to us. And that's why... This is a relevant conversation on a podcast that that champions read the Bible from start to yes. finish because you know we we might be listening and saying okay so what hardens our heart sin and rebellion hardens our heart so what does that have to do with reading the whole Bible from start to finish why should i read the whole Bible from start to finish because we do not know what our sin is apart from the Bible right we do not know that we are in rebellion we do we like what you were saying, this intentional, sinful rebellion and rejection of God's way um, is what lands us in this seat. It's what exercising our free will against God yeah. looks like. Um, so rebellion is what hardens us, and it's our rebellion, it's our own choice that we make out of our free will. And so we've talked about sin and rebellion being something that leads to the hardening of our heart. We're going to walk through another example that might actually surprise us, but hopefully it'll make perfect sense because it is the the banner that we fly. We're going to look at some response, uh, some responses from followers of God uh, throughout the Old Testament, and look at what they, how they responded to God's commands. What we would say, how we respond when we read the Bible, yeah. right? And so, just to kind of go ahead and and lay that out before we walk it through, the Word of God is going to be something in our life that will either convict us or harden us. And like sin, deceitfulness, rebellion leads to the hardening, the uh, the bar of us coming back to repentance. This Word of God will lead us into uh, a hardening because we're going to reject it or it will convict us and draw us closer to God as we learn about him. And so that's why this is a relevant topic for a Bible or for a podcast like this, because how do we know God and his character, his nature, his desire and design for us apart from his word? We can't. So let's look at King Uzziah. This is a king in the Old Testament who reigned over Judah for 52 years. Remember in the Old Testament, Israel breaks into two kingdoms. We have the kingdom of Israel, the kingdom of Judah. King Uzziah is king of Judah and he reigned for 52 years. He did have a successful reign and he followed God. 
However, like too many other kings in the Old Testament, he became prideful in his success, thinking it was his and not the success of God. And what did he do? He entered the temple. He overstepped his boundaries, the encampment that God laid for him. He entered into the temple, which was not his job, to burn incense uh, down by the altar. Now, this was a role specifically given only to the priest and specifically the priest who are a descendant of Aaron, the brother of Moses. They were the only ones who were allowed to fulfill this. And so when Uzziah was corrected for this very defiant act of worship in God's holy temple, he was corrected by the priests. And instead of uh, responding to that correction with conviction, repentance, and humility, he responds with anger and rage against the priest. And so God responds and strikes him with leprosy. Let's take a look, um, something that's tied along to Uzziah's life. Um, The prophet Isaiah, in the same year that King Uzziah dies, Isaiah writes this down of what he experienced in that same year. Isaiah chapter six, verse one. He said, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. So God is above all. He is surrounded by heavenly beings who cry, holy, holy, holy in his presence all day and all night. So this is an overwhelming place accompanied by storms that are raging, a ground that is shaking. And Isaiah, and we read all of this from his account, was totally overcome by it. Here's what he says in in verse five of that same chapter. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined. Here's why. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. So let's not miss why Isaiah responded this way. Why did he fall down? He didn't become enraged. He didn't become afraid. He fell convicted. He fell down, uh, not just because of God's majesty, uh, not just because God is eternal and Isaiah was finite or because God dwells in a spiritual realm and Isaiah obviously lived in a physical realm. Isaiah was ruined in his own words because of sin, Yeah, because he was unclean, because he was surrounded by the unclean. He was surrounded by sin. And with his sin blatantly exposed before him in the presence of God, Isaiah was wrecked. And that is exactly what we experience when we read God's word. We don't know our sin and rebellion apart from it being exposed and laid out before us when we read God's word, because it will either call us into conviction to where we say also, oh man, I am a woman of unclean lips. I am surrounded by the unclean who can stand in the presence of the Lord. We have all of that, his same majesty, the, uh, the same presence of his glory every time we open the Bible. And sometimes I think the longer we've been in relation with God, we forget that, or maybe we become desensitized to it. But here's what God says in response to Isaiah. We saw God's response to King Uzziah, right? He struck him with leprosy because of his uh, rage and anger against this correction from the priest. Here's what God says to the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah chapter six, verse seven. He says, your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. This experience that Isaiah wrote down for all of us to partake in still shows us 
what God wants to do for us individually, right? He has not changed his mind. He has not changed his motive or his end goal. He has, he wants to take our guilt away to atone for our sin because he wants to be in deep fellowship with us. And those things keep us from him, right? That sin and rebellion, it hardens us and bars us from him. It makes us turn from the living God. Here he responds to Isaiah and says, your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. Later on, he says, uh, Isaiah says, then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? And whom will go for and who will go for us? And I said, here's what Isaiah says in response to his guilt being taken away, his sin being atoned for. And now God is asking a question. Yeah. Who will we send? Who will go for us? Isaiah says, Here I am, send me. And you know, as believers, as churchgoers, we say that. We've probably heard that taught. But if we don't know the context surrounding it, the reality that God didn't just say, who am I going to send? And and the lucky Isaiah goes, oh, send me, I'll go. Right. We're going to miss why Isaiah was ready to do that. It's because he was ready to serve the one who had taken away his guilt and shame and atoned for his sin. And that is what commissions all of us Um, and puts us in the position to say yes to the commission that Jesus gives us in the New Testament because he is the one who takes away our guilt and our shame and atones for our sin. And that is why we respond like Isaiah. But we have to respond with the same level of humility and conviction as Isaiah or else it's just words. We might accidentally be hardened just like the people of Israel still claiming to be the children of God. Jesus, he does say, and we'll, we'll throw uh, back one to that one more time in the Great Commission. He says to all of us, go to make disciples of all nations. And we say this all the time here in Ecclesia. It's on the walls. It's on our t-shirts. You know, go into all the world, make disciples, baptize them and teach them. And I'm going to be with you until the end. And so when we say to God, this side of, and in this new covenant, here I am, send me, that's not just words. Right. That's an actual call to do something. And those are the things that he's asking us to do. Here's how God commissioned Isaiah. He says, similarly, right? Go in verses, uh, I'm sorry, I'll back up. Isaiah chapter six, verses nine to 10. He tells Isaiah, go and tell this people, be ever hearing, but never understanding. Be ever seeing, but never perceiving. Make the heart of these people calloused, make their ears dull, and close their eyes. Mm. Jesus himself quotes this, these same words in the book of Isaiah in the New Testament, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then we even find it in the book of Acts. And here's why. Remember, you know, in the Old Testament days, God spoke to the people through the prophets. That was the word of the Lord. So it would have been the word of the Lord then, the word of God, to convict or to harden. And God knew that. God knows that that's still true for all of us. So when yeah. he says to Isaiah, go and say this to these people, the, uh, you know, make their hearts calloused, make their ears dull and close their eyes. He's not saying that Isaiah has the ability to turn someone's heart against right. God. He's saying, my words that I put in your mouth are going, this is going to have that effect on them. Yeah. Because the truth is, what can harden a person is the word of God. 
It either convicts us or it hardens us. The word of God can harden our hearts if we hear it and then reject it. Those who ignored the words of the prophets had hardened hearts, and they hardened their hearts against the Savior also. We'll hit one last thing in this part of our time together. Acts chapter 28, verse 28. And it says, this is Paul uh, speaking to uh, to the, the people making room for the Gentiles. Therefore, I want you to know that God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles. Praise God. He says, and they will listen. Why? Because Israel was still not listening. They rejected the Savior. They rejected the fulfillment. They rejected the one who came to do exactly what God did for Isaiah, to take away their sin and shame, to atone for uh, their sin And they rejected the word of God, the fulfillment that he promised. And now now Paul is saying, make room because the Gentiles are going to listen and thank God um, that we were invited in. So for us, we can choose to listen and to, to allow God's word to convict us of our sin for the hope that he is going to cleanse us and to restore us. And he wants us to walk in his commission and to also dwell in his presence, just like Isaiah. And one thing that I love about the word of God is not only does it teach me the character and nature of God, but the consistency of God. Yeah, I don't like too many moving, changing parts, (laughs) right? I live in the world of this is this and that is that. And God completes himself. He doesn't change his game. You know what I mean? Uh, What he did for Isaiah is exactly what he has done for us. And those are things that build my faith um, and and firm it up for me. So we talked about at the beginning of this part that we were laying a foundation. So here's what we've laid so far, just to recap us, because like we said at the start, we are in a lot of deep water. So far, we've talked about rebellion being something that leads us to having our hearts hardened. Then we talked about rebellion being a choice that we make out of our own free will like Balaam. And then now we've laid that God's word can harden us. And this is a hard truth. God's word will harden us if we choose to reject it. But here's the hope. God's word will convict us and lead us to repentance if we choose to accept it, not merely read it, but to do it. Don't just be hearers of the word, but be doers of the word. So now we're gonna circle right back after all that we've walked through together to where we started in Romans chapter nine, Tina, take us through this and land us um, on this topic of having our hearts hardened. What hardens a heart? Right. So we needed all that yes. to get us to Romans nine. And I'll just repeat that that last verse that you read, Acts twenty eight twenty eight. Therefore, I want you to know that God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles and they will listen right? Mm -hmm. Because Isaiah has preached the word. He's made their hearts calloused, their ears dull, their eyes closed because they've rejected it. And then we get to Romans 9. And what we (laughs) find here is that God is so powerful Mm -hmm. and so sovereign that he can even use people's hardened hearts and wrong choices to bring about his own will, right? We saw Mm -hmm. a little bit of that in Balaam. Right. right, God said he was going to bless Israel, and God blessed Israel through Balaam, even though Balaam was in complete rebellion mm-hmm. and was trying to speak curses right. after God said, don't go to Balak, don't mess with that. Right. But he still went, and God used it for his purposes. So 
We want to understand how this works because this is crucial to Romans chapter nine. Right. So let's go back to the Israelites at Mount Sinai after the Exodus. So you you mentioned this earlier, Stacy. After they had received the terms of the covenant, uh, this chosen people broke faith with God. I'm going to read right. Exodus thirty two one. When the people saw Moses was so long in coming down the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, "Come, let us make gods to go before us." As for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt. We don't know what has happened to him. So that's the golden calf incident that we've talked about in this episode and in prior episodes. So in the wilderness, God rendered his judgment so that 3,000 Israelites fell by the sword and a plague was sent on the people in response Mm -hmm. to their rebellion. Mm -hmm. And then he told the Israelites, because he's a God who always keeps his promises, to go on to the promised land, Mm -hmm. to their covenant inheritance, because he'd already made a promise to Abraham, your descendants will inherit this land, so you guys go ahead and do that. But as part of his judgment for this sin, the same sin that led to the death of 3,000 and the plague, he wasn't going to go with them. But Moses continued to intercede on their behalf Mm -hmm. and say, we don't want to go if you won't go with us. He's speaking for the people of Israel. And so in Exodus 33, 14, the Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And then Moses asked God to confirm the covenant and show his presence to them. So verse 19 of Exodus 33, and the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, mm-hmm. the Lord, in your presence. And here's that verse mm-hmm. that tripped us at the very beginning in Romans chapter 9. Right. I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I'll have compassion. So Paul there is quoting the word of God delivered by Moses. And here's what he's saying that God shows mercy and compassion as he pleases, Mm -hmm. right? He had made a promise that he would deliver Israel into the promised land. Here at the base of Mount Sinai, he says, you go ahead, but I'm not coming with you. Mm -hmm. He tells him you're a stiff-necked people, and I'll probably destroy you on the way. Mm -hmm. But Moses continues to intercede, please go with us. And God has mercy and compassion Mm -hmm. and relents. Right. And he says, Okay, I'll go with you. And Moses says, confirm it. Yeah. Basically, give us a sign that you really mean it. Right. And that's his answer. I'll have mercy on whom I'll have mercy, and I'll have compassion on whom I'll have compassion. Right. Right. So in Romans 9, when Paul quotes this, he's he's quoting God's affirmation of this covenant. Mm-hmm. And what was Paul hoping to achieve By quoting these ancient words, now that we understand the full context of those words, all this scenario surrounding Israel as it relates to those words, his point was that it is not an injustice for God to call out and choose a people of his own. It's because of his unfathomable love that he would choose mercy and compassion in the face Mm -hmm. of rebellion and sinfulness. Mm And Paul makes the case in Romans again that God shows undeserved mercy and compassion in offering salvation to a people who weren't his own, which is where you just mm-hmm. ended in Acts twenty-eight, twenty-eight. right? The Gentiles. The Gentiles are going to receive the word of God because they'll hear it. Mm-hmm. They're not going to harden their hearts. They're going to receive it. And so Paul says in Romans nine sixteen, it does not therefore depend on human desire or effort, but on God's mercy. And here's what he's saying. Right. No one Jew or Gentile is deserving. The Israelites didn't deserve it, and the Gentiles don't deserve it. 
just like the, the Jews didn't deserve, Israel didn't deserve for God to go with them to the promised land after they had rebelled against him yeah. in worshiping this calf. But by grace through faith, mm-hmm. God extends the offer. That's what he's saying. And I think he's also laying the the foundation for the Gentiles being included here. Because yes. Israel's big stumbling block was that they were the chosen people. Yes. But God is making it clear, I'm choosing to go with you. Mm-hmm. I'll have mercy on whom I'm going to have mercy, but I'm also going to have compassion on whom I will have yes. compassion. So remember... I'm choosing mercy today and compassion today by giving you this sign that I will go with you. I will be faithful, yeah. but don't ever forget it because yeah. I'm going to be merciful and compassionate to all that I have created. No one is excluded. So just get your heart ready. And that's the kicker right there is that Paul is saying <laughs> so good. God used Israel's hardening to open the gospel to the yes. Gentiles mm-hmm. just like at one time. He used the Gentiles hardening, like the heart of Pharaoh, which is where we started with this question, to bring deliverance and salvation to Israel, Mm -hmm. right? Yes. So while Israel looked forward to a salvation that was solely for their physical family, salvation for everyone had always been the plan. And that's why God says he chooses how he wants to express mercy and compassion. Right. So let's go back to that verse. 18, and let's just back up and take 17 too. Romans 9, 17 and 18, because we're talking about Pharaoh here. Yes, we are. Paul says, For Scripture says to Pharaoh, I raised you up for this very purpose, that I might display my power in you, and my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. Therefore, quoting here, God affirming the covenant to Moses at the bottom of Mount Sinai, therefore, God has mercy on whom he wants to have mercy, and he hardens whom he wants to harden. So I want you to listen closely because this is where this whole thing comes together. By rejecting the living word, that's Jesus Christ, people's hardened hearts led to the death of the firstborn son of God. Right. That's what the Jews did. They rejected Jesus the Messiah, the living word of God. Right. And they murdered him, Peter said, by putting him to death on a Roman cross. Right. In the same way, Pharaoh's hardened heart and the rejection of God's word to him delivered through the prophet Moses, let my people go, that led to the death of the firstborn of all the sons of Egypt. Right. That's God's sovereignty. Mm -hmm. That's how he has mercy and compassion Mm -hmm. as he pleases. That's how he hardened whom he wants to harden. He's not unjust. Here's what he's saying. If the hardening of a Gentile like Pharaoh could lead to salvation and deliverance for the Jews, so can the hardening of the Jews, which led to the death of Jesus the Messiah, then lead to salvation for the Gentiles. But his plan is the same, and he's still consistent. His desire is that all people would be saved. Yeah, that's right. Jew and Gentile. And that's what the very next chapter of Romans says, Romans 10, 12 through 13. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all, and he richly blesses all who call on him for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Yeah. So here's what we've heard. A hard heart is a result of rebellion against God. 
whether it was Pharaoh's rebellion against him during the Exodus or the Israelites' rebellion against him in the wilderness. Right. That is what causes our hearts to be hardened. And that rebellion is a choice we make. Mm-hmm. We all have the free will to decide for or against God. Yeah. And when we reject the word of God, right, like the word of God was rejected when it was spoken through the prophets, through right. Isaiah in the Old Testament, when we reject it, when we read it in the Bible today, our hearts will become hard and callous. Right. Just reading the word of God is not going to do it for us. Right. We have to read it and respond to yes. it, allow it to convict us, or we'll become hardened. And God, because he is sovereign, because he can show mercy and compassion however he wants to, can use even hard hearts mm-hmm. to accomplish his purpose. And his purpose is to save all who would call on his name. Yep. So, yep. Stacy. You you brought us into the evangelistic effort, right? Mm-hmm. Isaiah was cleansed of sin, yes. and God said, go, tell these people. Mm-hmm. And then we're cleansed of sin. Jesus says, go, make disciples of all nations. Yep. So the last part of this question mm-hmm. was directly about how then do we respond in our evangelistic efforts to right. hardened hearts? Yeah, absolutely. And it's the, it's the perfect natural next thought. Uh, should we dust our feet off with people like the Pharaoh or keep trying to win them? And I think maybe the nuts and bolts of this is if someone's heart is hardened, what do we do? This part of the question here is a reference to something that Jesus said, an instruction of Jesus. Yeah. So obviously we want to take it serious. It comes from Luke chapter 10, where Jesus has just sent out 72 disciples. They've gone uh, ahead of Jesus. He sent them in pairs and he gave them the ability to perform miracles in his name for a purpose, right? This is a testimony, right? It's the signs. Yeah. It's the uh, c- confirmation that we were promised in the Old Testament that would come of the power and the reality of Jesus and who he was. So in this commission, here's what he says, Luke chapter 10, verses eight to 12. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them, here's what, we, here's what he wanted them to say and wanted the people to know. The kingdom of God has come near to you. But when you enter a town and you are not welcomed, go into its streets and say, even dust Even the dust of your town we wipe from our feet as a warning to you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near. So even those who rejected them got the same message equally. Those who received them and those who rejected him got the same message, the same word of God. I tell you, verse 12, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. So what Jesus says here is consistent with what we've read throughout the rest of Scripture. These disciples were personally commissioned by Jesus to deliver his exact words, and that's what they did. They said it to both. The kingdom of God has come near. And those who rejected these words willfully, they had their hearts hardened. They turned against him. They decided that they were going to reject that truth. And it's no different for us when we share the word today. We need to know it and be ready to share it. So what do we do when those around us reject it, well, we still faithfully serve them. We teach, we preach uh, with the same commission because the kingdom is here and we seek its expansion wherever the people will hear it and accept it. It doesn't mean that we stop loving. It doesn't right. mean that we stop praying, but it does mean we go like the disciples yeah. where it will be received and accepted. And we we, we say the same thing. Jesus is returning. Yeah. The kingdom is at hand. 
here is how you can you can walk in relation with God, and it's through the Word of God. And so a resource to help you as you go along with that is Step Into Scripture. It's this podcast. It's the book. You can pick it up on Amazon. It's published by Renew.org. Uh, Tina has laid the groundwork of tying so many beautiful truths about God, His character, desire, and design together for us uh, to help us as we go from town to town, making disciples, baptizing, teaching with the same promise that God gave to Israel, even reluctantly, but that he would be with us. Right. And we have that same promise and hope today. So we hope that you would pick that up as a resource. All right. Thank you all so much for joining us. Covered a lot today. Yeah, we did. Hearts are hardened by rebellion. Yeah. Rebellion is a choice that we make of our own free will. We will be hardened if we reject the word of God. Yeah. And that's a choice that we can make. Mm -hmm. But as Christ's disciples, as his people, if we don't want to be hardened, we've got a commission to walk out. And it's not for us to decide who is hardened and who is not. Sure. Because what we know about God is that he wants all men to be saved. Yes. I love it. So thanks, guys, for joining us. We'll see you back next week. See ya.